Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here on the Duncan Duo Show to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market like we are every Sunday at 10. I have been gone for the most of this week at a real estate uh, convention uh, down in South Florida. Learned so much this week at at this event uh, that made me realize how much I have to share about what's going on in real estate and, and also with my team, the little tweaks and improvements that we have to continually be making to continue to adapt to what's going on in the real estate market so that we can continue providing you with the best service possible while we are helping you buy or sell real estate. So the 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 segment of the population I want to speak to right now, though, are real estate agents. And so if you know a real estate agent, go give them a hug. Uh, you know, support your local real estate agent, buy them a drink at the bar, take them out to lunch, ask them how they're doing, because 2023 is going to be a much different real estate market than 2022. At the convention I was at, it was estimated that more than one third of the active real estate agents that are operating right now will be out of the business in the next year to two. And so why? Might you ask how many real estate, why is it that so many real estate agents are going to leave the business? Well, it isn't because of prices dropping, because if I look at the statistics nationally and in Tampa, uh, our average sale price is really kind of flatlined. We're, we're seeing prices kind of hold the line, so to speak. Um, we took a little bit of a depreciation in the middle of 2022, and since then, prices have been holding pretty steady. Um, we still have very... Uh, consistent and and low inventory. It is certainly more inventory than we had a year ago. A year ago, we were hovering with less than a month, sometimes 0.6 or 0.7 months of inventory. The demand was so high and the supply so low that literally everything was selling above asking and with bidding wars. That has changed. However, it has not changed to a buyer's market, okay? It has changed to a, a less frantic seller's market. So now instead of 0.7 or one month of inventory, we're hovering around three months of inventory. Um, prices have kind of stabilized and are and they're holding the line. And so what is the differentiating factor as to why? And why are real estate agents going to be getting out of the business or changing companies in droves? Well, the first reason real estate agents, uh, there are a lot of real estate agents are going to change companies because they don't want to look in the mirror about the work they're not putting in to continue to grow their business and work hard for the clients. They're going to uh, believe that it is someone else's fault that they aren't succeeding, um, and they're going to go to other companies. And they're going to certainly be agents that look at uh, the market, and they're going to realize that it's harder now. It's harder because even though prices are staying the same, we expect to see a 10 to 20% drop in the number of transactions. And that drop in the number of transactions, as well as the shift in the market with homes taking a little longer to sell, and not quite becoming a bidding war means real estate agents have to actually work again. They actually have to work hard to get a home sold. They have to do a good job marketing that home. Um, they they have to do a good job of explaining the benefits of home ownership to the consumer instead of everyone just realizing it and frantically pacing around uh, and running like a chicken with their head cut off to write offers when interest rates are in the threes. Now, interest rates have kind of settled down and they're they're hovering in the sixes nearly double what they were a year ago. Uh, that doesn't mean that we've lost or seen this huge drastic change in the buyer activity. We still have a substantial number of buyers 
um, not as many as a year ago, but still enough to keep the market healthy. Um, and there are a lot of sellers that have said, we're not going to sell our home where we're in at a 3% interest rate to go out and buy something at 6% interest rate. So in essence, the higher interest rate and the shift in the market is going to slow sales down and there aren't going to be as many sales. It's, it's going to protect pricing, though, and keep too many homes from coming on the market because people don't want to give up their low interest rate. So in essence, we're going to see a slower real estate market, but not some drastic swing, not some you know market falling bottom uh, with prices. Prices are going to kind of stay where they're at, and we're just going to see homes take a little longer to sell, require a little bit more work, and maybe sell for you know non-bidding wars and maybe a little bit off of the asking price um, is, is kind of going to be the norm. So how does that translate into real estate agents uh, suffering? Well, many of them have only seen a hot market. So the skill set that they have is bidding wars. Everyone wants to buy. They haven't had to be salespeople for a while. They've simply been order takers from a market that was rampant to buy and sell real estate and didn't need an agent to explain the pros and cons of buying or selling. So the market has changed. The skill set has changed. And what ends up happening is a lot of the people that don't improve their skill set and a lot of the companies that don't continue generating business, providing tools and resources and coaching their agents and holding their agents accountable are going to fail those agents and are going to get out of the business. So, um, you know, what, what we have done at our company is we've realized this. We've, we've rectified and understood that the market had changed. And now, um, you know, agents need a new skill set. And those agents that aren't willing to improve their skills or those agents that aren't willing to be held accountable – and those agents that don't really want to learn and adapt to what's going on, they want to, you know, keep waiting for the market that's gone. They're not our, they're not going to be at my team anymore. We want people that want to learn and adapt to what's happening with the market to be able to best serve our clients. Because of that, we are growing and we are looking for people. Um, and and again, you can apply for an open position or come to our real estate career night, which is informational only, pressure free, where you can ask questions and learn what we're doing at jointheduo.com. You can apply for any one of our open positions. You can share that with your friends or your family. You know a real estate agent that's struggling. I promise if you know a real estate agent, they're struggling. They're not making what they did a couple years ago. It's it's fierce out there. It's more competitive, and there's a lot more fear and blood out in the water in the real estate agent space. So if you know one, Share our website with them. Again, jointheduo.com. We're looking for agents that want to grow, that want to be coached, that want to be held accountable, that want to understand that the reason they aren't successful is because of their own action or inaction, not because of the market. Um, there are successful real estate agents and teams, no matter the market. My business uh, back at, over a decade ago grew more than 50% every single year during the worst real estate market our country's ever seen. So there are plenty of people that are going to grow through this shift in the real estate market, but there are a lot of people that are going to play victim. And they're going to play victim. They're going to blame somebody else for why they aren't where they want to be. And the reality is, is those people are going to be the segment of the real estate agent population that exits the business. If you're not one of those people, if you want to accept responsibility for your actions, if you want to be somewhere that, that can drive a lot of leads to you, that can coach you, they can hold you accountable to standards and help you adapt. Uh, whether you're a brand new agent and you don't even ha have any experience with the past couple of years, then then you don't have any form bad habits. Or you're an agent that has been an agent the last few years, has done well, and now you realize where you're at is not going to be is not going to get you to where you want. 
The key to that, though, is where you're at may not be it, but it may be you too. So you have to be, if you're going to come and join my company, you've got to be willing to understand and accept the accountability and responsibility that comes with the standards that we set so that our clients get the best service possible. So if you're one of those agents, if you're someone out there thinking about getting into real estate, uh, you know, some of the greatest wealth and market share and real estate agent success happens in a shifting market, but there are a lot of people that are still snoozing on it, not paying attention. And unfortunately, they're gonna, it's going to be the casualty of the real estate market. There are a lot of agents that aren't going to make it through. So join the duo.com if you want a new, fresh perspective. We've got our real estate agent um, up, uh, our on, um, you know, we call it our ramp up program. We've got a real estate agent ramp up program that has launched. Uh, Don from our office, master salesperson, has sold over 100 homes and handles all of the new agent training and onboarding, runs a course for two weeks. Um, we give you massive skills training. We give you systems that you've not been exposed to. We help you with the language of selling. We help you with overcoming objections. And then you have a dedicated one-on-one -on -one coach your entire tenure at our company. You can, again, register for career night. You can apply for one of our open positions because we are looking to grow at jointheduo.com. But I want to be clear about something, okay? I, if you're there, there are a lot of real estate agents the last few years who've been poisoned by the market and don't really want to work. They just kind of want stuff to fall in their lap because that's what's happened the last few years. If you're a real estate agent and you want to work and you want to work hard, but you want to play hard and you want the benefits of that too, that's who we want. We want the people that are willing to plug in, forget their bad habits, stop blaming the market, you know, because the market's the same for everybody. It's what you do with the market that's going to matter. If you're one of those people, we want to talk to you. Again, hit us up, jointheduo.com. You can apply for one of our open positions or uh, our career night. And again, we're looking at the data, guys. We we have coaches, we have consultants that we pay that help us make decisions about our business and help us see what's going on in the market. And so our, the tweaks that we're making and the things I'm talking to you about are things that aren't my opinion. These aren't things that I just kind of discovered. I mean, this is the, what the data shows us what's happening. We see the agents that are leaving the business. We have a massive number of people continuing to apply and join and want to join. And, and certainly we've, we've added a lot of agents to our company and our goal is to help those agents be successful, to provide opportunities for them, to teach them how to do things that someone else hasn't taught them how to do. Um, because there are a lot of companies out there that are just about, Hey, let's add as many agents as we can. Um, and then you're just a number somewhere. Um, I'm not trying to be a, a, a company with hundreds of agents. I, you know, I want the, I, I want to be lean. I mean, I want the best of the best agents. I want the people that are willing to work hard and surround themselves with better salespeople so they can become better, not where you're constantly looking around and the people around you that you're trying to learn from sold two homes last year. That ain't happening at my company. So if you want to learn from the best of the best people selling a lot of real estate, people serving clients at a very high level. Um, I have many agents that have been with me more than 10 years that have become millionaires that are super successful because they've plugged into our system, they've been coachable, and they want to learn. If that's you, again, hit us up, jointheduo.com, and, uh, and, and apply for our career night. Again, jointheduo.com, or apply for one of our open positions to learn more um, about our team, again, at jointheduo.com. So I'm going to be back, and look, you know, I, I know I've talked about the real estate market before, and I know it sounds as if I'm being negative because transactions are dropping and real estate agents are getting out of the business. But what I want to talk about after the break is the positives of those things happening in the real estate market. Uh, real estate markets and the economy shift, and there are a lot of really good things 
that happened. And while there's some real estate agents that have been spoiled with the fantasy land market of the last few years, um, there are a lot of really good things that are going to happen from the shift that's happening and from the place that our, our economy is in. So I want to talk about that after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa real estate market. I uh, talked in the first segment about uh, the market, but also as it relates to real estate agents, our ability to help those real estate agents with a new opportunity, our career night at jointheduo.com, as well as our open positions and the unique things we're doing to allow our agents to continue to be successful and allow us to continue to attract the right people uh, that, that's, that, want to, that are hungry, that want to grow, that want to be coached, and that want to sell houses, not not want to recruit people, not want to call your buddies and say, hey, come over to my company so I can make a little extra off of you. I want people to want to sell houses. And if you want to sell houses, hit us up at jointheduo.com. So uh, what are the pros of what's happening in the real estate market? You heard me talk before about how we're seeing you know, sales drop, um, not prices, but reduced sales. Um, some of the pros of that Home buyers actually have a chance to get a house and not overpay for it. They have a chance to maybe get some repairs covered and closing costs covered. Home buyers aren't as pressured now. We've worked with a lot of clients that said, you know, the market of the last two years, and specifically speaking to people that maybe don't operate quite at the speed of what was happening in real estate market. A lot of our clients that, um, you know, they're retired, um, you know, that, that, don't love the internet and don't love technology and like doing things old fashioned, you know, like to offer a little lower than the asking price and haggle a little bit. A lot of those people were spooked from the market the last few years. They're coming back to the market because now the market is more comfortable for them. They don't feel like they have to rush and pick the wrong house. They feel like they can take their time and make a better decision. Another thing that's really uh, good about what's happening with our real estate market, um, you know, because interest rates have risen, it's actually going to keep prices from dropping too much and from a flood of inventory hitting the market. Um, if interest rates were, um, you know, still as low as they were, and we started to see some uneasy and shifting in the market, you'd see more sellers running to the market to try and take their equity. A lot of those sellers certainly think about taking their equity, but they don't want to then have to go out and buy something and pay a higher interest rate. So it's going to stabilize our real estate market. Everyone that that practiced real estate or paid attention to real estate back in the late 2000s knows that the market crashed. Well, the market crashed for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because the supply and demand curve became way out of whack. More and more and more homes kept flooding the market. And that is not happening right now. We are still in the seller's market. We've seen an increase in inventory, but the the high interest rates are actually keeping a lot of sellers staying put. Um, the, the economic fundamentals of that keep them from saying, I want to take my equity and go out and buy something else. They're saying, you know what? I don't want to lose my interest rate. My house isn't perfect. I'd maybe like to get an upgrade, but I'm going to wait. And that waiting is keeping a flood of inventory from happening, and it's keeping our market in a more stable space. Another thing that's keeping our market in a more stable space is the lending process the last few years it was much more stringent than it was during the last downturn. So the people that were getting loans were not gamblers and speculators. They're real families that have the ability to pay, that had the ability to put down a down payment, that had good credit and income. The liar loans of you know 15 plus years ago don't exist anymore. So 
there was more balanced lending, which protects our real estate market, keeps it more stable, keeps it more balanced. So there, again, those are some of the pros. The other pro about you know real estate agents getting out of the business is top grading. If you if you know anyone, just about everyone has had a bad experience with a real estate agent. There are a lot of people that believe the barrier of entry to becoming a real estate agent is too low. You're handling someone's very expensive transaction, and you only got to take a, a an easy online course and pass a state exam to become a real estate agent and then be in control of millions of dollars of people's assets. It's a lot harder to to become a financial advisor, an attorney, and, and in essence, a real estate agent is in control of, you know, large sums of money for people in terms of their equity or the home that they're selling or buying. So a lot of people feel that this shift in the market is going to top grade the real estate market and get rid of some of the bad apples or maybe some of the people that didn't have the skill set or shouldn't have got in to begin with. So um, while you're never supporting or rooting for people not to be successful, sometimes a cleanse of an industry or a reboot or a shift or an adjustment um, you know, will bring in more new talent or um, will allow the people that aren't succeeding and maybe not putting the clients first. Maybe they got in because they wanted a get rich quick scheme. It'll, it'll move them into other opportunities so that clients continue to be held at a higher level and get a, a, a greater level of service. One last thing is I think you'll see real estate agents working harder to market homes. I think you'll see an evolution of how homes are marketed and improvement in that area, because the last few years, real estate agents really didn't have to market homes. That obviously has changed. So overall, a shift in the real estate market is going to have some pros and some cons. The first segment of the show, I talked about a lot of the cons and why real estate agents are going to get out of the business and what's going to happen with this shift where prices really aren't going to change much. We're just going to see fewer transactions. Um, and hopefully the the pros that I have reiterated are, are at least helpful to help you understand that we're not in some drastic uh, downswing. We're in a balancing, stabilizing real estate market. So I'm going to continue this conversation after a quick break here on the Duncan Duo Show. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa real estate market. Uh, covered the real estate market overall, some stats, and uh, you know our agent attraction, agent ramp up program that uh, that we've got going on for people thinking about uh, getting into the business or thinking about a change. We've, we've added a lot of agents recently because we're growing and we're making continued investments in the marketing of the business. And uh, we want to continue to be that place for agents that feel like they're not in the right spot as the market has shifted. Maybe they've got an owner or broker that wasn't around during the last downturn. I promise you that I was. So um, we're certainly looking to add agents to the company so we can continue to provide that high level of service to our leads and our clients. And you can check that out at jointheduo.com. So should you buy a condo? Look, there are pros and cons of condo ownership. And, you know, condos aren't right for everyone. And I want to go through some pros and cons and, and help educate people a little bit um, about the differences between buying a condo versus a single family home or a townhouse. And I first want to describe what a condo is because a lot of people don't understand this. Um, with a condo, you don't own the land, okay? You own your unit inside the walls. And you own an undivided interest, typically, in the land or the amenities in the building. So you own access to them, but you don't own the land underneath. With a single-family home and a townhome, you do own the land underneath. You'll typically maybe have a little yard or a patio, 
and you own that as well as the structure. Now, some HOAs in both single family and home communities or in townhome communities, some HOAs will take over and provide exterior maintenance or painting or, you know, the maintenance of the grounds as a fee um, to the homeowners association. But as far as the ownership of it goes, townhome and single family, you own the land underneath condos. You do not. Now, there are a lot of townhomes that look like condos and condos that look like townhomes. How they're defi- how they're differentiated isn't by what they look like or their architecture or their construction. How they're differentiated is the um the the type of property they are is the type of ownership. So you might look at a at one building that's condos and one building that's you know townhomes and not be able to tell the physical exterior difference, okay? So because they have adjoining walls, all right? Like condos and townhomes sometimes are units that have walls next to them and they're, they're adjoined to other units. So how you can easily tell this um, is by looking at the legal description, um, you know, because you might look at it and think, oh, that's a condo. And you might look at it and think, oh, that's a townhome. And what's the difference? The first difference is in the legal description. The legal description for a condo is going to Say something like, you know, you know, Barclays building unit seven and an undivided interest in the common elements. OK, anytime you see and undivided or undivided interest or a percentage of ownership of the common elements in a legal description, that is a condo. If you see lot number six, unit number five or block six, lot four unit and with no undivided interest or no percentage listed. Okay, then that's going to be a townhome. Okay, that means you own the land underneath, you own your unit and building, and you're responsible for it, except for in instances when the HOA decides to pay for it. Um, So that is the difference between a condo uh, and a townhome. In a condo, um, typically you're going to have kind of increased amenities and decreased maintenance, but you're also going to have increased cost. So the condo community may have the pool. It may have underground parking or reserved parking. It may have a fitness center, a sauna, a hot tub, um, a lot of amenities on, on on site, but you're paying for those amenities. And the condo is going to take care of uh, the, the maintenance, the common grounds, and a lot of the issues that you might have to take care of yourself if you owned a home or a, or a townhome. So a lot of people that are retired or have vacation homes or simply first-time buyers that just don't want to deal with the, um, you know, the, the, the extra responsibilities that come with owning a home. You're also going to have a built-in social network. Condos, a lot of times are going to have board meetings. They're going to have little events. They're going to have, you know, movie nights. They're going to have pool days. They're going to have parties, um, that you, that you're not as easily going to get, um, on a consistent basis and, uh, in other types of ownership. Um, another point of contention in the difference between condo ownership and something else is financing. Typically speaking, and again, I'm going to say typically because not everything is set in stone. Typically speaking, a condo is going to be a harder financing, uh, harder to finance than a townhome or a single family home. And it's going to require more down payment money. Now there are condo buildings that qualify for low down payment mortgages, but they are few and far between. Okay, they have they have typically had to go through a very stringent list of documentation to provide reserves, uh, you know, maintenance on the building, what has been done to the building from a a structure standpoint to strengthen it so it doesn't turn into another Surfside 
um, you know, all these things that, that lenders look at as risks that they need to make sure that the condo building has. So sometimes loans are denied for condo financing, not because the borrower, but because of the community itself. So condos are harder to finance. And because of that, because they're a greater risk, because of more things that can go wrong and drastically wrong at a, at a large scale, um, you know, for example, um, a whole condo building can get wiped out and, you know, there, there might only be a few lenders loaning in there. They're taking a greater risk. If, for example, you look at a single family home community, the lender risk is going to be spread out amongst many of them. The second thing, so, so higher down payment, higher chance of being declined and more obstacles when it comes to getting a condo financed. Okay. Um, now there are programs out there that, that will qualify lower down payment, but, it, but again, it is specific to what is going on in that community. Um, you could have two communities next to each other that have d drastically different down payment amounts and drastically different HOA payments and drastically different abilities to finance. If you have two single family home communities right next to each other, that is not going to generally be the case. So um, homeowners associations also can be bureaucratic. You have to deal with the decisions that they make. And those decisions more directly impact you in condo ownership than in the other forms of ownership. For example, um, a, a condo association may decide to do a complete overhaul of all of the units in the building, and then you're dealing with construction for a while. That doesn't happen in single family ownership. Um, it possibly could in townhome, but not typically. Uh, so condo ownership has that obstacle um, you know, involved with it. So you also have to deal with the bad decisions that condo HOAs may make. They may make restrictions on renting the property or selling the property or on what you can do with your property. Uh, not as likely in single family and townhome communities and certainly not at the same level, even when they have HOAs, those restrictions aren't as stringent as they can be in condos. And sometimes the people in control of that homeowners association don't have any experience running a condo association. They're not, they don't have some certification. It's a popularity contest. You might elect Betty to be your board president just because everybody likes Betty, but then Betty fails at her job miserably and makes decisions that cost you money and take your equity away. So it's very important that in addition to determining that you like the look and the view and the location of the condo building, also like the HOA and also like the financials of the condo community. Um, last but not least, be wary if there are a lot of condos for sale in a building compared to others. If there are a lot of units for sale, that can be leading a leading sign that people there are disgruntled with the leadership or with the HOA, with the payments, um, and they're afraid of bad things coming and they want to dump their unit and take their equity and run. If you see a lot of units for sale in a condo building, it is not a great sign for the financial stability of the community. And let me tell you what a lot of buyers do. A lot of buyers that buy condos don't really read what they're buying. They don't read the contract. They don't read the HOA bylaws. They don't read the condominium documents. They're buying into a group ownership scenario in which other people are making decisions about your investment and your asset, and you don't even read any of it. And then after you buy, you find out you can only rent it this much. You got to wait this long to sell it. You can only have this many people at your property. You can only paint it this color. So, it is crucial if you do decide that you're going to buy a condo, do your due diligence. Your realtor isn't the person to do your due diligence. Okay, The realtor helps you find a property. They help you select it. But your due diligence is on you. 
You need to research. You need to read. You, you know, your realtor ain't there, you know, six months later, and it isn't their fault six months later when you didn't read your stuff, and now you want to get out of this property, and you're going to lose money. Okay, you've got to read. You have to sign documents at closing, and when you go under contract, indicating that you've received the condominium documents. Read them. Look at the financials of the homeowners association. Ask questions. Call the people at the homeowners association because you're buying them just as much as you're buying that unit and that view. And I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with people calling us after they've bought a condo and they realize something and they didn't read the condominium documents. Look, the condominium documents in some instances are 100 or 200 pages. Your realtor ain't reading them. It isn't our responsibility. Be a big boy. Put your big boy pants on. When you buy a property, do your due diligence. Read the documents. Know what's going on in the homeowners association and know definitively what you're allowed or not allowed to do, get active, vote, and truly, if you don't like the decisions that they're making, then you can certainly vote them out or try and run yourself. Get on the board yourself to be in control or making the decisions. But a lot of condo decisions are made by bureaucratic homeowner or condo associations that sometimes are thinking about things they like or that they don't like as an individual unit owner and expecting everyone to think like them instead of making decisions that are in the best interest of the ownership and the best interest of the finances of the community. So hopefully that's been helpful for you and helps you understand the difference between uh, buying a condo or a townhome and single family. So again, you're listening to the Duncan Duo Real Estate Show here on WFLA News when we aren't on air. Hit us up at The Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, uh, we are on all the social channels at the Duncan Duo, and we'd love for you to follow us. We're always putting out good, relevant real estate information about what's going on in Tampa Bay so that you can stay informed about your home, your home's value, your neighborhood, and whether or not you're going to buy or sell in the next year. Follow us. It's great, helpful, insightful information, whether you're working with us or not. And if you're not, you're making a mistake because we got the best agents in the market Again, at The Duncan Duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. Follow us on all of our socials. And I'll be back continuing the conversation, wrapping up with our last segment after a quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on The Duncan Duo Show talking about the Tampa real estate market. If you own a property and you've got to move and you're ready to move somewhere else, you're going to be met with this decision. Should you sell your house? Or should you rent your house? And I want to talk to you a little bit about the pros and cons of selling or renting your house when you're met with a job transfer. Maybe you're in the military and you've been PCS somewhere else. Um, or you're going overseas for a year and you think, you know, I don't really need to keep my house because I'm going to be living somewhere else. There are a lot of reasons why you might be met with the decision of should you sell or should you rent. And I want to help you with that today. One important thing to understand when you rent your house is that your renter is very unlikely to take care of the home like you do. So if you have a strong emotional attachment to your house, renting it may be a bad idea. Okay. Secondly, um, you have to be able to afford, uh, you know, the home and renting it and affording the mortgage. If you don't, here's what I mean. If you decide to go buy another house and you rent your house out, guess what? Sometimes tenants have problems. 
Sometimes tenants up and leave or run out of money and you can't collect from them. Sometimes they stop paying. Sometimes there's a boyfriend and girlfriend on the lease and they get upset with each other and they break up. And now you got half the income and that person that's left can't pay the rest of the rent. And you have to be able to afford paying that or you end up in foreclosure. So you need to make sure you can afford to own the home, no matter whether it's rented or not, that you can afford those payments and you can afford the short-term complications that come with being a landlord financially. Things like the toilet breaking or a roof leak or the AC going out. So it's important that you um, continue uh, to pay attention to the financials if you're thinking about owning two homes and renting it out. Um, you know, another question we get a lot is, will your old property appreciate? That's a choice you have to decide. If your property's dramatically going up in value and you can get your mortgage covered by rent, then maybe it is a good idea to keep it as a rental. However, understand the complications that come with becoming a landlord because now you've added an extra job for yourself. You're going to get calls when things go wrong. Um, you're going to have to communicate with the tenant or the, the property management company, but you're still going to have to communicate and approve and make choices with them. You're going to have extra things to do. And the decision a lot of times weighs on whether or not your property is going to go up in value enough for it to be worth it. If you're positive cash flow, you're already in a pretty good place um, because you're putting money in your pocket. But if your property is appreciating and you think it's going to continue appreciating, then you're making, you know, you're in a much better place to rent that property. If you're in a neighborhood where it looks like values are dropping, renting it may not be the, the right call. It may be better for you to take your equity now. So you need to know what the forecast is for your neighborhood. Not, And when I say your neighborhood, I don't mean like what the forecast is for Tampa. Because, you know, I mean your specific neighborhood, your community, what the forecast is, because it differs. You know, just like it differs in the state, all over the state, and just like it differs in the country. You might have friends with amazing appreciation in Idaho, and then you have people losing their you-know-what in California. So make sure that you know what the forecast is for your home because that can weigh heavily on your decision whether or not you rent it or sell it. Can you effectively oversee the rental? Okay, If you can't personally oversee the rental, you need to hire someone. There's a cost associated with that. How much of your cash flow does that eat into in order for you to make sense uh, you know, if you're making a small amount of money and something big happens to the property, the tenant breaks something, the tenant causes a massive leak, the tenant, you know, gets liquored up and drives through a house. Yes, I've had it happen. Make sure that you have the ability to handle the financial hit and oversee the rental, um, or afford having someone else oversee the rental, but plan on the financial complications that come with renting a property. Um, if you ever have the desire to return to the property, this is where the emotional attachment comes into play. I have rented properties that I lived in before, and the majority of the time I wished I would have sold it and bought a better property to rent because the tenant didn't take care of it like I did, and it would it would almost like hurt. It would frustrate me. I would be upset because I viewed that property as my home, okay? And that's how you're going to view the property that you leave. You're going to view it as your home. In a lot of instances, homes that we decide to turn into rentals don't make as much financial uh, sense as another property that you could buy and turn into a rental where you don't have the emotional attachment. So most of the time, my recommendation is sell the property, buy a better asset. 
In instance, there are some instances though where the property would just become the perfect rental and will make a great return and you should turn it into a rental. But those situations aren't always the case. So if you ever have a desire to return to the home, seeing a tenant not take great care of it, and if you're OCD with cleanliness or paint or anything like that, and now you have to move back in after someone else has lived there, that can be an obstacle for a lot of people. So in many instances, not all, but in many instances, it makes sense to sell the property, take your equity, and then go buy and roll into another property. Here's one last thing. When you sell the property that you occupy as a primary residence and you live at it in it two out of the last five years, the laws on the book now books now say you get to take that, that equity, you get to take that gain tax-free. If you turn it into a rental and then you miss that two out of five window, the equity that you've gained, you may lose tax benefits. So it may not make the sense that you think it makes. So make sure you're looking into that and understanding the tax implications of the timeline for when you turn it into a rental, at which point you start to lose the benefit of the two out of five. In other words, if you rent it for a few years, you could lose that benefit. So make sure you understand that before you just go to straight turning it into a rental. So hopefully that's been helpful for you to decide whether or not to sell your property or whether to rent it out. When we aren't on air again, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at The Duncan Duo. And if you're a real estate agent looking to jumpstart your career, hit us up at jointheduo.com. Have an awesome rest of your weekend, Tampa Bay, and I'll see you here next Sunday.